0: Hello, and welcome to the C++ Club. This is episode 12 for the meeting number 137 that took place on the 14th of October 2021. Why are you C++ enthusiast? Some feel-good stuff on Reddit. Quote, recently I've been struggling with a discouraging feeling about C++. I'm inspired, motivated to learn C++ as a hobby by all of the cool projects and games that I like, that use it. But there's this discouraging thought in my mind. Would I enjoy the language if it wasn't popular or used in inspiring projects? These thoughts have been making my enjoyment of the language feel fake. Every time I think of the language now, I get negative emotions, whereas before I was really enjoying myself. End quote. We're all people and we all have emotions. Job satisfaction is a very important issue that affects our lives, so the feeling the OP has when they use C++ is not something to be dismissed. This redditor writes, I find it very difficult to get passionate, motivated, to write things that won't work in 10-15 to years. With C++, the lifespan is there. Almost anything you write with C++ can be tweaked, Mangled and if deft to work on whatever weird and wonderful platforms of the future. Another editor writes Because C and C code is basically the bedrock of every domain software is developed in, it is used for very demanding software, be it games, web browsers, or embedded programs. It talks directly to the OS and hardware. On top of all that, it provides very powerful abstraction facilities, and people are still finding new ways to leverage them. Because of this, I believe C++ made me a better programmer and also made it very easy for me to switch to other languages. All in all, I'm enthusiastic about C++. Because there's just so many interesting things to do and areas to explore, and I don't feel constrained in any way. Another editor says... I love how I can encode high level concepts into the type system, how I can teach the compiler to check my code for correctness, and of course, how none of that sacrifices runtime performance. When I write C code, I can be somewhat confident that it is bug free. Wow, I'd like to have that level of confidence at some point. This other Redditor writes I enjoy making things run fast. In that arena, you have basically three options. Assembler, C or C++. C++ allows me to write the shortest, fastest code with the least effort. Another redditor says, Gotta go fast. Yet another one seconds that. It's fast as hell. These days it has usable abstractions, maps, vectors, etc. And is still fast as hell. This other redditor says, I take criticism of C++ with a high degree of skepticism, especially on online communities. Many people have not evolved their opinion since the 90s and early 2000s. During those years, OOP fever was at its peak, C++ compilers were difficult, the standard was stagnant, and multi-threading primitives were primitive to non-existent. But nowadays the standard is far more comprehensive and responsive. Compilers have greatly improved, sanitizers and tooling made development far smoother, and object-oriented programming fanaticism has basically died out. Anyway, in my experience, the biggest detractors of modern C++ are usually C programmers who don't want to learn anything new. The thread has many more good replies, so if you are low on motivation and want to switch to another language, go and have a read. What networking looks like. Vinny Falco writes, Is there some documentation or announcement where it was collectively decided that this is how I.O. and asynchrony will look like in standard C++. Why are we pushing this instead of standardizing existing practice? Networking TS has been available for six years based on the technology that has stood the test of time for almost 20 years. End quote. Vinny Falco is a big proponent of ASIO and Boost Beast, his high-level networking library. He seems disappointed with the direction that the committee took for C++ networking. Aren't we all? He presents a code example as an illustration of his point. Thing is, it's a unit test for pipe, so not exactly user-level code, as Kirk Shoup pointed out. Kirk then presented a user-level code fragment of an echo server. And I must say, it doesn't look significantly simpler. It seems to follow the reactive programming pattern as used in the latest Sender's Receiver's paper and looks very hard to understand and reason about. Luckily, Kirk Shoup then rewrites the example code using coroutines, which looks way better. Answering the OP question, Kirk says, the committee has not decided what networking would look like. About that. C++ committee polling results for asynchronous programming. Ben Craig posted this on Reddit. These poll results don't mean much out of context, but are bound to generate lots of pointless discussions and useless hot takes. Now, let me present my hot take on these polls. Breaking news! We are not getting networking anytime soon. Ben Craig writes, I'd like to share the results of recent C++ committee polling on future asynchrony models for C++. This relates to senders and receivers, P2300, and the networking TS ASIO, P2444. Each of these proposals represent an enormous amount of effort from the respective authors and from the committee. Executors have been discussed in WG21 mostly in the concurrency study group, since at least 2012, with Christopher Kolhoff's contributions starting at least as early as 2014. Over the last two years, I count 14 meetings in Lugi discussing the NetTS and Sender's Receivers models. In the spring of 2020, Lugi did in-depth design reviews of P0443 that involved many meetings beyond those 14. This polling and interpretation was not taken lightly. The chairs know that the NetTS and ASIO represent decades of work. However, these polls indicate that there is insufficient consensus for the NetTS to progress beyond Lugi in its current form. Once these issues have been addressed, Lugi can look at the networking TS again. End quote. The polls look pretty grim to me. Again, out of context, sorry. Strap in pips, here they come. Poll 1. The networking TS ASIO async model, P2344, is a good basis for most asynchronous use cases, including networking, parallelism, and GPUs. Weak consensus against. Luigi won't be pursuing P2444 as a general async model. Poll 2. The sender's receiver model, P2300, is a good basis for most asynchronous use cases, including networking, parallelism, and GPUs. Consensus in favor, but this does not mean that P2300, as it stands today, will be sent forward to LuGi. More work is needed on it. Nine people voted against it. Poll 3 Stop pursuing the networking TS ASIO design as the C standard library's answer for networking. No consensus. 16 against. Votes in favor of stopping ASIO-based work were those who wanted networking to be based on sender's receivers and those who thought that networking tiers needed TLS support. This means networking tiers champions will need to do even more work for it to be considered for the C++ standard. I don't know how much more patience Chris Kohlhoff has for this. Poll 4. Networking in the C standard library should be based on the senders receivers model, P2300. 10 against, weak consensus in favor. But there is no paper for this yet, and still, 10 people opposed. My translation of the above polls Do we want networking TS yes and C? No. But do we want senders receivers? Also, no. Poll 5. It is acceptable to ship socket-based networking in C++ standard library that does not support secure sockets. No consensus. 19 against. Some think a modern networking standard must include support for secure sockets. Others think it must only provide low-level abstractions and allow security to be built on top, the main argument being that security standards evolve much faster than the C++ standard. There were other telecon polls that I saw posted on GitHub. Again, these are useless when taken out of context and are likely to be superseded by subsequent polls. By the way, my impression was that the wording of all these polls was not ideal, with lots of redundancy in weirdly constructed sentences that were bound to cause confusion. Polls are phrased as statements and not as questions, but maybe it's just me who finds it strange. Poll. Knowing what we know today, talk about redundancy here, we should continue considering shipping the networking TS in C23 as is. No consensus. But wait! Paul, knowing what we know today, we should continue considering shipping P2300 senders receivers in C23. Also, no consensus. And that's not all. Paul, we must have a single async model for the C standard library. No consensus. The Reddit discussion thread is very active, some interesting tidbits there. You can use Azure today, which is what Networking TS is based on. It is a well tested and proven library that is used all across the industry. LibUnifex, a real life implementation of P2300, is used at Facebook, which is the driving force behind the new senders receivers paradigm. Kikshub works there, and Derek Nibbler used to work there before moving to NVIDIA. Vinny Falco is, shall we say, with a gigantic dose of restraint, not a fan of the sender's receiver's paper. He confirmed in the thread that he voted strongly against P2300 and in favor of networking tiers. His comments there were incisive and sarcastic. Then he declared that he will be stepping away from his committee involvement. A beacon of hope enters the chat. People are generally not impressed, to put it mildly, with the current sender's receivers-based code. By trashing the original networking peers in favor of the half-baked P2300, the sender's receivers crowd have squandered goodwill of the community. And that's all very, very sad, given... C++23 is close to the feature cutoff point. I wouldn't be even surprised if C++26 didn't get standard networking. Probably C++29, or more likely never. I'm really pessimistic at this point. Uh, And now a rant. When I look at these polls from the sidelines, it appears to me that the committee is a dysfunctional mess where tribalism and hidden agendas clash Egos are bruised and votes are cast in bad faith to the detriment of C and the community. I wonder how much longer this is going to continue before someone decides that radical changes are needed in the way it's run. Of course, this is my uninformed opinion, so take it with a huge grain of salt. ClangQL. A very interesting development. Using SQLite virtual file system on top of Clang D in order to enable using SQL to query various aspects of C++ code bases. It's on GitHub, licensed under LGPL. It's a proof of concept and work in progress, but you can already see what is possible. With tool integration, this could provide additional introspection capabilities for IDEs, although LGPL license makes it a bit inconvenient. By the way, I'm told a similar feature was in development in AT&T Bell Labs in the 90s, but sadly went nowhere. The same developer also worked on DOT and GraphViz, which is very much alive. Pure virtual functions in C++. Deraj Jar gives an example of defining a pure virtual function. Normally, you would stop at marking a virtual function as pure, and thus turning the class into an abstract class, forcing derived classes to override and implement their version of that function. Sometimes, however, you may want to define some basic behavior that derived classes could use as a prelude to the overridden version or as a fallback. Note that you can define a pure virtual function, but only outside the class declaration and derived function has to call the base version explicitly. Except this one weird case. Reddit expands on the topic and mentions an interesting related trick. To mark a class as abstract, you can declare a pure virtual destructor. For example, all virtual functions in your base class have meaningful default implementations, so you don't necessarily want to make derived classes override them, but at the same time you want to make sure the base class cannot be instantiated. In this case, you use a pure virtual destructor. You will have to implement it, though, as it will be called as part of the derived class destruction automatically. Herb Sutter discussed these topics in his Guru of the Week, number 31, back in 2011. He also mentioned a rare case of pure virtual function call error that can happen sometimes. And I've seen it manifest in a Windows error message that I'm sure didn't make any sense to an ordinary user. To handle such an error, Herb proposed implementing pure virtual functions that should never be called and putting some diagnostics there. Remember not to call virtual functions from constructors, as they don't behave as virtual functions when called from there. Scott Myers writes, quote, during base class construction, virtual functions never go down into derived classes. Instead, the object behaves as if it were of the base type. Informally speaking, during base class constructions, virtual functions aren't. End quote. There is an article that discusses how a call to a pure virtual function can happen, including an obscure case of indirect reference to a dangling pointer. It can happen when the deleted pointer memory is left as is. The standard says it's undefined, so anything can happen. If it's left unchanged, the copy of the original pointer that is, of the abstract base class type, is a dead instance of the base abstract class, as this is how vtable was left. And when you call any function on it, you get a pure virtual function call error. The author built several test programs to expose this error using various compilers, which are very old now. Hopefully modern compilers provide better static diagnostics for errors like this. Some lesser-known powers of stdOptional. Raymond Chen writes on his blog, C++17 introduced stdOptional, which lets you augment the values of a type T with a bonus value known as stdNullopt, which semantically represents the absence of a value. A stdOptional which holds the value stdNullopt is known as empty. He then reminds us of the basic operations on stdOptional checking for a value with hasValue, retrieving a value with value, assigning a value with the overloaded assignment operator, and clearing the value with reset. Other less-known powers of stdOptional are it converts to boolean true if it has a value and false if it is empty. Note that if this stdOptional contains a boolean, it doesn't test the contained value, so to, to avoid confusion you may want to keep using has value in that case. An empty std optional compares unequal to any t type value. And an empty std optional compares less than any non-empty std optional and also less than any value. This should probably be avoided as it adds confusion. Lastly, Raymond Chen writes about the failure modes when getting a contained value. x.value, this will throw optional access if the object is empty. And if you dereference an empty std.optional, this will not perform any verification as dereferencing an empty std.optional is undefined behavior. Reddit thread has some more tidbits. Recursive variant Quote Variants are exceedingly useful in C++, but they suffer from a singular and fundamental shortcoming. Unlike sometimes in many other languages, there's no mechanism to define recursive variants in C++. In other languages like Haskell, you can refer to the type being defined within the type itself, but not in C++ though. If you want to have a variant that contains say a map to this value that is being defined or another container like a vector of the same value this doesn't work because the value being defined is an incomplete type you could use a pointer which is how it's all implemented in other languages but if you want value semantics you can't use stud variant this library rva makes it kind of work It hides the current type in the container so that it's a pointer in the end. And you can refer to the type being defined within the definition by using a special type self underscore t that this library provides. There's no word on performance, though. Astree Static Analyzer. From the website. Astree is a static code analyzer that proves the absence of runtime errors and invalid concurrent behavior in safety-critical software written or generated in C or C++. Astree primarily targets embedded applications as found in aeronautics, earth transportation, medical instrumentation, nuclear energy, and spaceflight. Nevertheless, it can just as well be used to analyze any structured C or C++ program. Handwritten or generated, with complex memory usages, dynamic memory allocation, and recursion. Asterisk sound, that is, if no errors are signaled, the absence of errors has been proved. End quote. Sounds like a very serious and reliable static analysis tool. Probably costs a lot of money. If you want to try it out, you must fill out a form and, wait for it, email or fax it to them. Talk about being stuck in the 90s. Behavior Tree, a library for designing behavior trees for use in robotics, games, or as a replacement for finite state machines. The code is on GitHub under the MIT license and requires C14. There's a good documentation as well. From the website quote, Behavior Tree ECPP has many interesting features when compared to other implementations. It makes asynchronous actions i.e. non-blocking a first-class citizen. It allows the creation of trees at runtime using a textual representation XML. You can link statically your custom tree nodes or convert them into plugins which are loaded at runtime. It includes a logging profiling infrastructure that allows the user to visualize, record, replay and analyze state transitions. End quote. The library comes with a companion project called Groot, which is a GUI for creating behavior trees. Funding for the project, interestingly enough, came from the European Union's Horizon 2020 research and innovation program. Yay, EU! Wegli From the website, Wegli is a fast and robust semantic search tool for C and C++ codebases. It is designed to help security researchers identify interesting functionality in large code bases. Wegly performs pattern matching on abstract syntax trees based on user-provided queries. Its query language resembles C and C++ code, making it easy to turn interesting code patterns into queries. The code is on GitHub and uses Apache license. Wegly is programmed in Rust. What do you know? It can be useful to our C++ programmers, after all. Just kidding, Rust is great. The query language designed in such a way that it produces potential false negatives, but also uses very relaxed matching rules, which makes finding interesting code sequences easier. That's it for today, and I will leave you with this Twitter wisdom. You only live once. You should try to spend as much time on the computer as possible. After you die, you won't have access to it anymore. And with that, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you sometime next week. Bye.